0: Hi everyone! It is the end of a long month, August. I feel like it started like so quickly with so many people going back at the beginning of August to school. Yeah.
1: It's crazy how like different. Like I feel like it used to be where we would have a two week window where almost mm-hmm. all school districts went back to school in those right. two weeks, and now mm-hmm. it's been like a four or five week because we yeah. have some schools going back the first week of August, and we have yeah. some the first week of September. So we yeah, have like after a Labor few- Day
0: yeah it's like the longest month and it's just like hard to keep up it's like hey welcome you've been in class for a couple weeks oh we start next week and it's like what
1: like yeah I know and it's crazy the families like where we have split school districts so we have the elementary Mm -hmm. school district and the high school district they don't always align because Mm -hmm. these high school districts are trying to align with AP testing and elementary schools are not because they don't care they don't
0: care. Yes
1: just wild to see like if families have like kids of different ages but
0: we're yeah back yeah and- you've heard us say last year was just wild and so we're there's no expectation for this school year but something that we have kind of noticed and we wanted to have a pod a solo pod it's a solo pod today guys is people believing that their child needs an iep so we're gonna go back to basics a little bit and I know, Amanda, you had said that you had had some potential clients come to you with 504s, for example. Yeah, right?
1: yeah. We've seen families where the kid has had a 504 for a few years. And with the two years of COVID, three, however many years we want to say this has been going on, I don't even know what year it is anymore. I know, um, I know, I know. <laughs> that things have gotten much worse. Or, I mean, in some cases, they should have had an IEP all along, mm. but it's now more obvious. But we even are seeing some families where maybe they wouldn't have needed an IEP, but for the trauma of COVID, but mm. for mm. the missed learning opportunities of COVID. So our kiddos that were kindergarten, but now what they're entering third, fourth grade yeah. and they didn't get real learning. They didn't get a real education school experience for the first couple of years. And how much of an impact is that having? So. <laughs> We wanted to go back to basics in this and kind of like go back to square one. If you're in that boat, even if you're not in that boat, you've had an IEP for years. We think this is a good refresher on what you should expect. And we want to do it a little disclaimer. What we're going to talk about today is what the law requires the school districts do. Mm-hmm. you may see something very different. Mm-hmm. That's why we have jobs because schools mm-hmm. don't always do what they're supposed to. So we mm-hmm. want to use this episode as a way to empower you that if what we're telling you should happen is not happening with your school, everything goes in writing, follow up with the teams, do everything that we're going to kind of give you feedback on what to do, because these schools should be acting. And We know that there's going to be delays in some instances because schools are overloaded with kids needing a lot more. So, you know, if you have any questions about what we're talking about, you know, go back and listen to some of our other episodes, but also like DM us on Instagram, send us messages. You know, we have our Q
0: and A's every couple of weeks. So just know that we're always there as a resource. Absolutely. And so. We always like to kind of start with what is special education, right? And we've been having a dialogue on our social media about like even using the terminology special education, right? It should just be education at the very least. The law is very late to catch up with terminology. It was just recently Obama that took out the word mental retardation from right. federal laws right. and that was like in the 2000s right. so it's just like the law Yeah and I wanted to,
1: I wanted to mention cuz I know we've been posting a lot about it and one thing that I want to make sure people are aware of is that a lot of times when we use the word special education and special needs those are legal terminology as well it's not just language that is used like of course like the way we talk about people and their needs and all of this and disability. There's a lot that we can discuss on that, but there also are legal definitions. So sometimes using the, this language is kind of necessary in the legal sense, because if you don't use those words, things, certain things don't get triggered, right? If you don't say, I want a special education assessment, or you don't say, I want special education services, a lot of times school districts Don't act, right? So there is a time and a place right now, because the law is slow, that there are instances where this terminology has to be used from the legal perspective. So just kind of an added little thing in there that we want to mention.
0: Well said. And so for us, special education is free and specifically designed instruction to meet the child's special needs. And those special needs should be detailed in the Individualized Education Program Plan, IEP. And so, obviously, we've said it several times, the Individual Disability Education Act is the federal law that we are pulling a lot of this information from. And its purpose is to provide, and we say this acronym all the time, FAPE, a Free Appropriate Public Education And also to ensure a parent's right to be like an equal participant in -hmm. that IEP. And so we know what free is. We know what public education should kind of look like. What Mm. we, the battle is appropriate, right? And so it all stems from assessments. So when you are gonna get started on this journey, you are asking for assessments because assessments are going to point out the child's unique needs, learning style, et cetera. And this is the point where
1: some of this legal terminology is important. We see a lot of families who don't have specific diagnosis. So maybe you have Mm -hmm. ADHD, but maybe -hmm. you don't. You don't have any diagnosis. All you know Mm -hmm. is that your child is struggling Mm -hmm. and your child is having a hard time, whether it be from COVID or something else. What happens a lot is the families go to the schools and say, I think my child needs some help or I think my child needs accommodations. Mm-hmm. A lot of times when schools hear those words or mm-hmm. something similar, mm-hmm. they think, we're going to do a 504 plan. Right. Or a student and, success team meeting. Or a student first. success team meeting. And I was just telling a potential client this the other day. Student success team meetings don't really exist. They're not something right. in the legal sense. There's right. nothing in the law that says right. that, that is even a thing. So right. Student success teams are something that school districts made up as a way to see if they can support students before going to the formal assessments. In -hmm. many cases, it's a delay tactic and Mm -hmm. it's not appropriate. If you have a suspicion that your child has a disabling condition, so Mm it doesn't have to be an official disability, a -hmm. disabling condition that impacts their education, you have a right to ask for an assessment and the school district is required. They're not allowed to sit there and say, do we think they're gonna be eligible? Do we think they're gonna need
0: special education? No. We're like, the based question. on their grades, uh, we don't think that right. we should assess It's like, right. if this is the first right. assessment, then the obligation right. is there. And here's assess. a scenario
1: that happens a lot. And we're seeing a lot from COVID because mm. we're seeing a lot of trauma, trauma mm. coming mm. from COVID. Mm. The student's very bright. Mm. They are, when they're in school and mm. they're focused mm. and they do their work, they get good grades and they do mm. fine.
0: Mm-hmm. And the
1: school says they're fine. Their mm-hmm. education, their academics is not impacted. Well, mm-hmm. that child is traumatized, is anxious because they have not been around peers. Maybe they had family members die. All of these mm-hmm. things. They've been out of school. They're anxious about being in school, being away from their family. And they start to withdraw. They start to mm-hmm. say, I don't want to go to school. And they right. start refusing to go to school. And the families are like, I don't know what else to do. So I'm going to keep them home. But the school says, yeah, but when they're there, they're fine. Mm-hmm. This here is a perfect example of a kid who needs an IEP, who needs assessments for an IEP because there's something going on that is impacting their access to education. So that's an important thing to think about, too, is that there's something impeding their access. And it's easy for schools to understand access when they think about like a wheelchair. A child is in a wheelchair. The way to access the building is they need a ramp if there's stairs, right? That's physical access. But, accesses many different ways if they are not able to go to campus because their emotional state or mental health is like inhibiting them ability to go to campus they're so nervous so anxious to go to campus or if they physically set foot on campus but they check out they're sitting there Mm -hmm. they're quiet Mm -hmm. they don't seem like a disruption but Mm -hmm. it's in one ear out the other because Mm -hmm. they're so anxious they're in their Mm -hmm. head Mm -hmm. this is a way, a situation where they're not getting access so right. we need to be looking at that too not just grades mm-hmm. not just mental health but also access and how they're learning and how they're socializing how they're functioning in the classroom all of
0: this needs to be considered well a lot of kids are behind because of covid mm-hmm. responses from some district personnel which is disappointing especially if like amanda had mentioned before like you know if a kindergartner had started in 1920 school year, right? And, you know, there's a lot of learning going on. You may have seen some struggles or may have been, but like, they're not, you really hadn't gotten to the point of like pinpointing something. It's very difficult to just be like, oh, well, it's just, you know, they were in kindergarten and then the pandemic happened. So then they're just going to be behind. It's like, no, like there's stuff there. You you know, there does have to be that condition, right? That unique need. need. And so you don't want to lead with, I think because of the pandemic, this, right? You definitely, if you had kind of noticed things before, that's going to be the most important. And then what you're noticing now, and then as almost like an afterthought, just be like, and the pandemic didn't help. Right. But don't make it seem. And if you really didn't see anything before, see, you know, talk about what's happening now. That's okay too. Right. Because the assessments can only get started once the parent Request them in writing, and then the district has a certain period of time to get you the assessment plan for you to review and sign. And the minute that it's in their possession, that is when the 60 day timeline starts for right. there to do the assessments and have the IEP. And so, obviously, that 60 day timeline is a very specific to California, but we're just kind of letting you know of like when the district should do things and when the parent should do things. Yeah.
1: And that assessment plan should detail all the areas that the school district is going to assess. And Mm -hmm. keep in mind that if you've let the school know, these are the concerns
0: that I have. And
1: you don't have to be super specific, but the more specific you are, the better.
0: I, I'm um, pretty sure we've talked about this. You don't really need to say much. Obviously, no. it's going to be the best if you right. say, I am seeing these specific. But you really, all you have to say is, I believe my child has a disabling condition that's affecting their academics and social emotional well-being or whatever. You I'd like saying to you have it. a
1: suspicion is enough. Yeah. Yeah. A soccer coach saying they have a suspicion, a teacher, anyone yeah. Saying they have a suspicion triggers the need to assess. Now, yeah. what is assessed comes from the assessment plan. And if mm-hmm. you get an assessment plan from the school district, and there's only like a couple things check marked, and you think that there's other things that probably should be check marked, this is the time where you provide it back. You can check other boxes and say, you know what, you've offered these assessments, but I think also these other ones need to be checked. Especially if it's the initial assessment, you really should do a comprehensive assessment. So. If you have any suspicion of social issues, the social emotional should be, if you have any mental health concerns, educationally related mental health assessment should be included. If you have behavioral concerns and behavior can include maladaptive behaviors like kicking, hitting, eloping, Mm -hmm. or it can include inattentive behaviors Mm -hmm. like failing to attend a task, Mm -hmm. not initiating tasks. Those are behaviors as well. So remember these are
0: shutting down, right? Right. Yeah. Shutting
1: down, withdrawing not mm-hmm. socializing. So when you get that assessment plan, it's not an all or nothing. You have a right as a parent to mm-hmm. say, you know what, I believe these other assessments should be included as well. So when you return that, then, you know, they have to then agree to it, of course, but it's always important to let them know, these are the things that I'm concerned about. And then like Vicki said, that assessment period occurs, the assessment should take place over the period of several days and weeks. It should not all happen in one day. The Mm -hmm. students should be observed in their classroom. Mm -hmm. Rating scales and questionnaires should be sent home to families, should be sent to anyone relevant, the teachers. And then there should be actual testing days where the student is pulled from class and they do the individual testing. And when you get to the end of that 60-day window, the district has to hold an IEP meeting to review the results of the assessment and, if appropriate, develop an IEP you have a right as a parent to request that assessment in advance. So we always say that when you consent the assessment plan, you kind of mark it on your calendar. So if you know that 60 days from now, from the time you sign assessment plan, you're going to have an IEP meeting. And someday in that window, when you get to like the middle time, that's a good opportunity to say, hey, I know we're going to have an IEP soon. Can you start giving us times and dates? And by the way, I really like to see the assessment report in advance so can you please give it to me three business days five business days in advance in the meeting
0: the purpose of that
1: is then you can review it you can write down questions mm-hmm. so that you're not sitting there in that meeting getting so much information because mm-hmm. these could be 30 40 pages so you
0: can be prepared and something we also see is districts just uh, like having one IEP meeting to review all the assessments and then they go, Oh, time's up. We have to do another IEP meeting 30 days from now. You know, that's just not appropriate. And is it best practices that they have the assessment done, you know, a few days before the IEP meeting? Absolutely yes. There's nothing in the law that says you have to have this three days before, five days before. Is it best practice? Yes. Does it help a parent become an equal participant in the IEP meeting specifically? We believe so. And so for the most part, yes, we are able to get it, you know, a day before, if we've gotten it morning before, you know, it just depends, right? But if you really have this kind of understanding where you're just saying, look, I want to save everybody's time. I want to be sure that my questions are answered, that I'm not overwhelmed, like it's harder for them to just downright say no, right? And honestly, like
1: if you're talking to the speech therapist or the special ed teacher,
0: Mm-hmm. and
1: like in giving them the rating scales back and giving them feedback if you tell them too hey if you don't mind giving me the report a couple of days in advance here's what it does mm-hmm. these assessors don't like going word for word page by page in these mm-hmm. meetings i tell you that 99% of the time when i go to an ip meeting and i say hey we already got this assessment ahead of time parent and i looked at it we don't need to go page by page just give mm-hmm. me a summary they go oh right. thank you so much because mm-hmm it's a waste of everyone's time because we all can read. Right. It's more important right. that your questions are answered because a lot of times you read through this material and you need to ask questions. You need clarifying the information. So it's better use of our time to have the specialist, the speech therapist, the school psychologist, the teacher to explain what it means because mm-hmm. it's not enough to just get an assessment report. You should be getting an explanation of what do these scores mean? What do these results mean? What does the impact look like on the day-to-day school? Because it's from there that you determine what goals we're going to be including in the IEP, whether the students eligible, what services they need, and all of that. So, Sometimes just like having those casual conversations as well, like put it in writing first, but also don't be afraid to say it also to the providers, because a lot of times they're like, I'll give it to you because it's going to benefit us all. Right. Um, Absolutely. So in scheduling that IEP meeting, one thing we want to note is that the law requires IEP meetings be held at a mutually convenient time and place, day, time and place, mm-hmm. which means... It doesn't have to be in person. It can be on Zoom. It doesn't have to be in the small window of school gets out at three and teachers leave at 340. Mm -hmm. If that is not convenient for you as a parent, Mm -hmm. you can say so.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: The schools have an obligation to hold it at a mutually convenient time and place. So if you as a parent cannot take off, you would have to take off an entire day to be there in person and you could do a lunch break on zoom, mm-hmm. and you wouldn't have to miss a day of work. That's important. You have a Absolutely. right to say it needs to be at lunch. And if they need to hire a sub to take care of its classes, they have to do that.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, one other thing that we have seen with certain districts is they only allocate an hour, right? So we believe that this goes towards the mutually agreeable time. In place, not just like the actual time it starts, but should be applicable as well to the hour mark. Because if they're going to do that and then have another IEP 30 days from then, and then have another IEP 30 days from then, that's not appropriate because you are maybe not even getting to a point where you're changing services. And now I understand maybe from the district's position, they have, they've had had. Very long IEP meetings with the family and it's just, it drags everybody down. But instead of saying that or creating an agenda or just actually listening to the parents um, and helping redirect where they need to go, they do this time limit. And we've had our fair share, right? Where we've pushed back and, you know, we, you know, if they're going to have it for an hour, then let's schedule the next one a week from now or two weeks from now, right. you schedule know, because out. they do need to give adequate notice of the proposed time and date. And yes, have there been IEP meetings where it's like, oh my goodness, we've run out of time. Everybody's here, let's get our calendar out and like, let's start looking. Yeah. And that yeah. is great because of it. But if they're already saying this is only going to be an hour now, If you're having an amendment IEP, maybe an hour is all you need, right? Right. Sometimes you can just get in and out. Yeah, or maybe they provided you, even if it's
1: an annual, maybe they provided you the draft goals, the Mm -hmm. present levels, everything ahead of time, and you were able to go through and you Mm -hmm. have your questions and comments Mm -hmm. ready. So Mm -hmm. don't be afraid to tell them that, to be like, Mm -hmm. look, if you're telling me you can only do an hour, we can make that work. If Mm -hmm. you give me all of these things like several Mm -hmm. days in advance so that I can review Mm -hmm. them, I can give you feedback, Mm-hmm. And then you can look at that feedback before the meeting so that right. anything that's left over to discuss can happen in that meeting. There's like, there are time and places where an hour can be appropriate, but absolutely for an initial, that should never be the case because there's a right. lot to go over. And if you're new right. to special education, you're new to IEPs, mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. there's
1: so much out there that's going on. And one thing we find with initial IEPs with a lot of families is that things aren't explained enough the process. So Mm -hmm. teams will start with the assessment. They'll go through the assessment and they'll be like, okay, now let's talk about eligibility and like, okay, now let's get into present levels. And the problem I have with that is if you're a parent who's never been through this process before, Mm -hmm. maybe you don't even know what a present level of performance is. You don't understand what that means. Right? So don't be afraid to ask them to slow down and say, can you explain what the present levels of performance mean Now, Hopefully you've listened to our podcast and you're a pro and you know what it means. Right. And you know, that from the present levels of performance where they're functioning in this moment, where we, you know, that we can pull where areas of weaknesses where are challenges that we can use for creating goals. And you know, that process, but maybe you still need a refresher or you could use a refresher. Maybe you're talking to another parent who's never been through this process and you're giving them tips. This is something to tell them the school team is required to ensure that you are a meaningful participant in Mm -hmm. the IE process. Mm -hmm. And in order to be a meaningful participant, you have to know what's going on and you have to be apprised of the process, Mm -hmm. not just Mm -hmm. let me give you a bunch of information that we're regurgitating and that we're putting in these documents and expecting you to read. So... We have a couple episodes that you can go back to on like specifically what are present levels, what are goals, how do we go through that process? So go and listen to those, but know that when you're done with this IEP meeting and they've made your child eligible, they've created goals, they've gone through an IEP and they've made an offer. You do not need to sign right then and there. Mm-hmm. You don't have to agree to anything right then mm-hmm. and there.
0: Mm-hmm. You have
1: a right to take the document with you and read it by yourself. At home, with, with friend, your partner, with, mm-hmm. with a glass of wine, mm-hmm. whatever you need <laughs> to do, right, to be able to digest the information you've been provided because it's important that you take that time because you might take it home and think and go, I don't know if that makes sense, right? right? And then right. if you need to hold another meeting, you can, or you can send your questions via email or letter mm-hmm. or something like that, mm-hmm. feel free. If there are things in the IEP that you just don't agree to, for instance, let's say your child is in middle school or high school when you're going through this process for the first time, or maybe it's, you know, several annuals later. And the team has said, look, your child is struggling a little academically, whatever the reason may be. And we think that it would be best that your child has a resource class or an RSA Mm -hmm. class or Mm -hmm. a study skills
0: class. Mm -hmm.
1: And they've explained what the study skills class looks like. And you go... Yeah. It sounds great and all, but what does that mean for my child? That means Mm -hmm. that my child no longer gets an elective. Mm -hmm. That's not going to work for my child because I know that my child loves art and that's the only buy-in they have.
0: And like it's October, right? So then if you make this change right now, it's like, you're just like ripping them from it. Right. And you know that it's going to be a disaster for your child. So you have Mm -hmm. a right to say, you know what,
1: I agree with this IEP for the most part. I think that the goals are great. I think that the accommodations are great, but my problem is this resource class. You can consent to the whole IEP or mm-hmm. in parts. You can mm-hmm. say I agree to all of it, but I don't agree that the RSP class is the appropriate setting because when we look at the setting and we have a whole episode on this on LRE, least restrictive environment. It is supposed to be to the general education class to the maximum extent possible. So We want to make sure they have the same opportunities that their peers have. And that includes an elective. That includes Mm -hmm. PE, right? So you have a right to say, look, these goals you've created require support, but we don't believe that an RSP class is the right support because I don't want to take them out of the elective. I don't think that's appropriate. So you can send that IEP back with that partial consent consent to everything and say, look, if you want to provide them specialized support, that's great, but find another way to do it. And there are other ways to do it.
0: Yeah, oftentimes we see that parents believe they have this power and so they don't sign an initial IEP. If you believe that your child requires an IEP and you agree with the eligibility of, let's just say, autism, then you want to agree to that, but maybe you disagree with the goals and the services, right? Maybe you agree with the eligibility and the goals, but you don't think the services will get there, right? Will get the child there and they're making progress on the goals or passing the goals. But say that because- an IEP once consented to must be implemented as soon as possible. And a lot of these things can be done very quickly, right? Like pulling them out for resource, starting speech, OT, maybe they have to get into the schedule of that therapist. But for the most part, it's stuff that can be implemented pretty quickly. So if you're in this limbo of, look, I agree my child needs an IEP, but I don't agree with the services, It goes kind of back on the district to try to hold another IEP as quickly as possible because they have to implement an IEP and you're not in agreement with a major part of it, which would be the services. But you have agreed that they need an IEP. So it kind of puts a little bit of pressure because what we see is when a parent says no, sometimes or doesn't respond, yeah. the district just is like, all right, whatever. And it's just kind of like the child is the one that loses. And so, you know, don't be afraid to kind of exercise like, look, I agree that they need an IEP. I just don't agree with this other stuff. What's our next step? Right. Are we having an IEP? Are we doing that? You know, because yeah, I think sometimes parents think, well, I'm just not going to sign. Okay. But if you do agree to something. <laughs> <why don't laughs> Especially
1: if that? like, if this is an annual IEP, And you agree with the speech goals and the speech services and all of that is great, but you don't agree with OT or you don't agree with the fact they want to put you in a resource class or a special day class, like still consent to the things that you feel are appropriate Mm -hmm. because they can't Mm -hmm. start on those. You don't want to get into a situation where they're working on the same goals year after year on the things that you actually agree are necessary. So that's important. And then Once you get to the point where you've consented to an IEP, everyone's on the same page, things are going great. The team is going to tell you that you're going to have an annual IEP every year. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: A lot of families, when they start this process, don't realize that that's not the only IEP that has to happen. Mm -hmm. You as a parent have a right to ask for an IEP any time you feel it's appropriate. And the Mm -hmm. school has an obligation to schedule that IEP within 30 days, Mm -hmm. bottom line. Mm -hmm. So You don't have to wait for the annual to come up. You don't have to wait for progress reporting. You don't have to wait. If something comes up and you're concerned, if you've started services and you want to see are is your student making progress and you don't want to wait, like they may say in the IEP, like you're going to have quarterly progress reports and that might not be for three months, but you want to see and make sure that things are working and tweak if necessary. Like you can ask for an IEP every 30 days. If you're dealing with something like behavior or Mm -hmm. pushing into the general education class more, like I've had times where we've done every 30 days because that's the way to really track progress review it, tweak the plan as necessary. And sometimes that's appropriate. Sometimes you don't need that, but just know that
0: there's flexibility in there. And if you had your annual in May and your child's going into high school, and we've talked about this, but you can have an IEP meeting within the first 30, 60 days, that first semester, if you want, just to kind of check in to make sure, hey, how is the transition to classes going? Do we need to go from that study skills class and drop into an elective? Like, you know, there's a lot of good reasons that you would technically need an IEP for. And then sometimes, you know, you might be able to have a non-meeting IEP, right? Where everybody agrees that a change needs to be made and it's more just like a technical thing. And we've seen that as well. I think, like, the purpose of kind of giving you guys this information as we wrap this up is just to let you know that communication component and the reason behind it, right? Because we're just seeing a lot of that already in these first few weeks with potential clients, as they call us, that, you know, their child has an IEP, but they don't agree to something, but they're not telling the district what they don't agree with. So then the district is kind of like, I don't know what's going on. And instead of like doing their job, I would say of like trying to get curious and like really understand the parent's perspective, they're just like in this weird like battle and it doesn't need to be a battle just, you know, and if you don't really know, if it's just like a gut thing, just say, you know what? I'm just not seeing my child. I'm seeing my child struggle. And I believe that this is something that they need. Um, Because it might be
1: something that is just missing and maybe it's, it's missing because there wasn't an assessment in that area. So sometimes additional assessment, you need an independent assessment. But the other thing to know about this, telling the school, like, a lot of families think, okay, well, I'm going to hold things really close to my chest. I don't want to tell them too much. Right, like, right, In the reality of situations is that doesn't help anything because the school can't fix anything that they don't know. And mm-hmm. a lot of times parents think, I've told them. I've told them what I don't like. I've said, I don't like this RSP class or I don't like the mm-hmm. way that the speech is working. Mm-hmm. But they don't say why they don't mm-hmm. like it. Mm-hmm. If the school doesn't know the why, they can't fix it either. So a lot of times if you can provide more information about why it is that you think something isn't working or why you don't agree with something, it's going to make things a lot easier. So for instance, if you don't agree with the speech services because they're being offered in individual sessions Mm -hmm. and it's really like more of a social skills concern that you have, like your child is really struggling to make friends or really struggling to have peer interactions. The friend comes up and starts talking to them and they are, you know, asking them questions and your child wants to talk about, I don't know, whatever the latest trend is, Roblox or Magnetiles or whatever their preference is, right? They start talking about their own preferred topic and- totally. Then the peer is like, I asked you a question about what you did this summer. Like, this is not a good, right? So you're having trouble with these peer interactions, but the speech, you have a speech goal about it, but it's Mm -hmm. an individual session with an adult. Well, that doesn't solve the problem. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. you would want to explain, look, I don't believe that individual speech sessions is appropriate because I think they need to work with peers Mm -hmm. on social engagement. Social stories aren't enough. So that explanation is going to help so much more the team kind of figure out how can we better... Support you.
0: Yeah. And, you know, they see a lot of different iterations and they sometimes say, but this is what works for others. And sometimes you just have to remind everyone, like, I don't really care. And, and, and in a nicer way, I suppose yeah. I'm, I'm without my caffeine this morning, but you know, it that's cool. But like, we're here for ex student and that's my focus. So while right. that may be right. I need you to tell me more about why it works for my child because I don't believe that it does, right? And so we'll kind of leave you with that. We hope that this quick episode, which I feel like it went by very quickly, but there was a lot of information. Um, If you want for us to go more in depth, um, we do have a couple ideas of going more in depth with the components of the IEPs and stuff like that. But if you guys have any other ideas or situations that you want us to discuss, please just message us. Always email us at info at iepcalifornia.org or like Amanda said on our Facebook group or via Instagram. We are going to get through this together just like we have been the last couple of years. Thanks for coming on this wild ride with us and we will talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.